Hello and welcome to Dare to Create, a podcast brought to you by Ford. I'm Penny Mallory, a former British and World Rally Championship driver and a huge motorsport fan. This original podcast series will be taking a unique look at innovation in motorsport and the people helping to craft the future of racing. We'll be chatting to the teams behind one of the world's leading car brands, as well as interviewing some of the rising stars in the world of racing. This is episode one, Winning Mindset. In this episode, I'm going to be chatting to Dr. Elias Muccianatis, a research fellow at Brunel University and a visiting fellow at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience at King's College London, who recently partnered with Ford and innovation studio Unit 9 on a study of drivers' brains using a unique EEG helmet. In part two, I'll speak to M-Sport rally driver Gus Greensmith about how he's using mental preparation techniques to improve his racing performance. But firstly, let's hear from Dr. Elias about the findings of this groundbreaking study. So this is a very exciting research, uh, intersecting engineering neuroscience in understanding brain signals that are associated with peak driving performance. Uh, so we partnered uh, with Ford Performance and Unit 9 uh, to develop a racing helmet with integrated sensors that allows us to record brain signals from the driver while they're driving. So this is a sense of uh, getting uh, uh, telemetric uh, data, such as uh, braking or acceleration or steering and other physiological measures, such as uh, heart rate, uh, but now this allows us to tap into what actually uh, makes a driver perform at their at their best. Uh, we we measure uh, the brain, which we 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 think that all the other measures are dependent on the driver's brain state. So over a number of experiments, working with Ford Performance uh, and the drivers and Red Bull athletes we try to investigate what are the brain signals that are associated with optimal performance, how to uh, 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 test different ways of priming the brain to get to this optimal brain state, and also how you can retain that uh, for the longest. Wow. I wish, I wish I'd had this conversation with you a long, many, many years ago when I was driving. It would have helped me enormously. It's, it's just amazing. <laughs> and I want to get into the interest because it's, of a professional driver's mindset in a moment. But first of all, the basics of the human brain. How does an everyday person's brain function? From, from the understanding that, that, that we have a basic model is that, uh, is that there are three key uh, stages. First is the input stage, uh, which is input processes are concerned with the analysis of incoming stimuli. Then there is a storage process, which covers everything that happens to stimuli internally in the brain and can include coding, uh, storage, and manipulation of incoming stimuli. And then there's the output process, uh, which is uh, responsible for preparing an appropriate response to the incoming stimulus. Uh, So, for for example, uh, the whole process starts with input from sensory organs, such as the eyes, the skin, the ears, which transforms physical stimuli, such as touch, sound waves, and light, 
into electrochemical signals. So the brain works electrochemically. Yeah, uh, any process uh, is uh, is essentially a, a, a minute. Uh, can be captured by measuring a few millions of, of, of a volt. And that's the reason why we're using this uh, EEG helmet. Can you just quickly explain exactly what EEG stands for and what it means? So EEG stands for electroencephalography. And it's essentially the measurement of electrical currents that are produced by the brain where uh, large populations of neurons uh, fire. Uh, so the brain works electrochemically. Uh, uh, the communication between neurons is done through very, very small electric currents. So by placing electrodes on the scalp, we can actually measure these tiny electric currents. And they give us a really, really uh, 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 useful information of how the brain uh, works. Uh, this is the method that we used uh, when developing the racing helmet. Uh, the reason for that is that uh, we can measure these tiny currents down to less than a millisecond. So it's the only one of the few brain imaging techniques that we can use that we can apply it in real time while someone is doing a task. And that's why it's relevant to the work that we've done uh, with uh, Ford and Unit 9 in developing this uh, racing helmet with integrated EEG uh, sensors where we can then monitor the brain and record brain signals from the brain while these drivers are on, are on a racetrack. How does the everyday brain process information and how does that change when someone's driving so um driving is actually one of the best examples demonstrating how brain process uh, how the brain process information and um so driving is a very common daily activity uh, but it's actually if you think about it, it's a very complex process uh, it requires the coordination of both our hands and fit, each limb performing a different movement, while at the same time you need to be aware of uh, the street and navigating uh, the car. Uh, so this is a quite daunting task if you think about it, and it's not easy to, to master. Um, so when you first start driving, uh, your attention is focused in, uh, in your motor responses and moving the, the car. And you don't pay that much attention to, um, to, to, to your surroundings. That's why usually we start uh, learning in a car park or a very empty roads. The more we become proficient uh, with these movements, the more automatic they become. And then that allows us to free what we actually are interested in this study, uh, the, the process of attention. Uh, which is the ability to focus uh, on, 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 on something. Uh, so the more automatic your, uh, your driving becomes, your motor skills become, the more you free up attentional resources to pay attention to what happens uh, in, around you and where you're navigating uh, the car. Um, so within the brain, uh, there are a number of areas that have been 
associated with driving, such as the prefrontal cortex, the parietal cortex, uh, motor and premotor uh, regions, uh, and a number of EEG signals, brain signals, that we know that uh, are relevant in terms of attention and focus and also associated uh, with these uh, processes. I, I know that when people start to drive, there's so much to take on board and it takes a little while. And then, and then like you say, before you know it, you're just doing it automatically without thinking. But, but mm-hmm. a professional driver um, faces another another level of challenges. So the speed at which things are happening and presumably the processing speed, uh, the anticipation because they're thinking ahead of where they are, all that stuff. How does that change an elite driver to an ordinary road car driver? So this is uh, what actually makes them uh, elite and part of the research is seeing which are the brain states that they they, they, they are in. Um, so what happens is uh, is, a, is, a, is a, the term that's used is domain specific uh, expertise. So through countless hours of training, they have de- developed uh, uh, exceptional neural efficiency within the brain areas that are responsible for uh, driving. So they achieve a level of automation that requires very little conscious uh, processing. Essentially, they don't think, they, they, they just uh, drive. And uh, what we sort of find that, that the longer a driver is in that state, the better their performance is. Uh, so uh, this is actually most of us have experienced this this uh, state from time to time. We might call it being in the zone or being in flow or having tunnel vision, and it's an uh, it's a state of extreme focus where uh, we work by almost losing touch with the outside world, mm-hmm. and time passes without uh, us perceiving it. Um, what we seem to understand is that this appears to be the optimum brain state for peak performance, and for professional drivers, because through the automating all the other motor processes, free, essentially frees up the brain to get into that state and perform uh, the, the best. And what our work has been doing is actually trying to identify how this brain state looks uh, in uh, by, by measuring it uh, with uh, the helmet and the other measurements that we've done. So do you think that anybody could learn to have that processing power in their brain if they did something often enough? Is it something that's open, that possibility is open to everybody? Uh, Yes, I think we have all experienced this. There have been times where they're becoming rarer and uh, less often where we, we we sit down and just go through our work without thinking it we we, we just we, we, we just uh, do it um, and that's because we have the expertise uh, to do that and what I think is that uh, indeed uh, this is a uh, a brain state that might be universal across all tasks that require uh, deep focus and uh, extreme uh, concentration. And we all have experienced it. 
it's just a matter of finding ways to tap into it and get into the state uh, the fastest and remain there for 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 longest. And I do I, I do think uh, that everybody can 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 achieve it. It's just a matter of knowing how it looks in the brain and finding ways to get there. Okay, so we all have the potential, but I'm guessing, and you have to, to put me right on this, but your attitude to opening up those possibilities, is that the key? Because, you know, that I, I could be a, just an ordinary road driver and without, I don't really want to be a professional driver and that would presumably stop those stop me um, accessing that, those bits of the brain that could make me elite. But if I'm not really that bothered, if I'm not interested, is that the blockage? Yeah. Yes. Of course. The, the the motivation to to and and the willingness to put in the the the, the training hours to achieve that level is it, not is not an easy process. Um, and of course, someone needs to be motivated to practice uh, enough in order to to get to to that state. Uh, but potentially, uh, and of course, within uh, limits that anyone can have uh, within individual differences, potentially anyone can achieve at least a level of uh, performance that for their personal best is 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 at peak. So uh, the, the, the idea is to uh, find ways for each one of us, if we want to achieve our best in a, in a task, be it driving, be it uh, 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 writing, um, um, any any task that is important for us, what is the brain state that we need to be and how to achieve it? Yes. And is that what the winning mindset might, is that what you're referring to? Yes. Is that something different? Uh, so it's 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 something within within the context so in a perspective of uh, sports psychology and performance there are key uh components that are being taught such as goal setting uh as as you mentioned if you don't want to become an expert driver uh you don't you, you will not be uh just just by driving around your car so you need to set a goal to become an uh, a a, a professional driver then you need to develop self-confidence focusing on positive outcomes uh, you need to have the motivation to do it and the persistence to putting the hard work but the way I I, I see it uh, and it's not mutually uh, mutually exclusive is is a more of a neuroscience perspective and is relevant to the research that we do which I think a, a winning mindset, is what I described is by measuring brain signals, understanding how the brain looks or should look, how should operate in its optimal state for the task uh, at at hand. And uh, it's key to have that uh, reference of uh, brain signals at our best because we can then know what we need to achieve and test different ways to get there uh, faster. And that might be um, uh, different for, 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 for different pe- people. Um, uh, for example, some athletes uh, might need to get overly excited and intense, listen to 
fast and loud music before performing. Others might take a more esoteric approach. Uh, they might need to go to a quiet place, close their eyes and sit in silence. So there's no right or wrong way of having the, the, the winning mindset. Each one might have their own methods uh, in bringing themselves to that optimal state. But what's important is that by the work that we, we're doing, by measuring the brain in its, at its best, knowing what that state is. I've always had this, um, I suppose it's an opinion that you can, you can desire something all you want, but it, and it doesn't matter necessarily how intelligent you are or skillful you are, but your attitude, approach, your mindset is the thing that makes the difference. So have I been right all these years? Would you agree with that? If, if we all have, if we all start with the same brain and the same potential, it's your attitude and approach that will make the difference to your performance. Yes, of course. Uh, that plays uh, a, 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 a very important uh, role. The, the person who uh, essentially wants it more and is willing to put in the, the, the hard work and the dedication and has the persistence to uh, hone their skills on, on, on the task, this is the person who's going to be the most successful uh, yeah. in in, uh, uh, in in doing so. Um, uh, what's fascinating, uh, specifically with professional drivers, is that pretty much uh, they're all experts in what they do. They all have the the the, the same dedication, um, uh, and they they all have. Uh, in terms of skills and talent, they're, they're, they're comparable. Mm -hmm. uh, what might be different between the the ones who are winning all the races and are champions and the ones that they're not is their ability to reach that level of uh, that, that, that brain state of optimal performance and maintain it for uh, as long understand that what the drivers do, uh, the level of um, of uh, focus and attention they, they they achieve, it's something that potentially is achievable to to us, uh, uh, and can be applied to our everyday life. Uh, and. Uh, we are very fortunate that we're now, with this work, trying to understand what these brain signal cells are, uh, what are the specific uh, brain states that a person needs to be uh, uh, to have that optimal uh, performance. And potentially, uh, and what I'm hoping to do in terms of uh, my, my uh, research, uh, is to see whether we can translate these findings into understanding uh, uh, cognition uh, in neuropsychiatric disorders, for example, uh, disorders such as schizophrenia, depression, ADHD, they are related with cognitive uh, performance and potentially apply what we learn from these studies into improving cognition in these uh, disorders, but also improving cognition in uh, in our everyday life. Wow, which would be phenomenal.
So you talk about intrinsic motivation, and I think in sport it's quite easy to set a goal. You know, I want to be world champion or I want to come first. It's quite linear. It's quite definitive. It's easy to to define success. I either did win or I didn't win. But, of course, in life, generally in business, it's harder to define success, isn't is it not? Um, it is, yes. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I think one of the reasons why uh, these athletes are so successful is that, and especially in, in race driving, is that you have um, uh, an extreme reward. So you win, you win the race. Uh, so the reward for doing your best is extreme. But then you also have uh, uh, an extreme consequence. If you do a mistake, that might cost your life. So uh, the intrinsic, so there, 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 are, there are components of both intrinsic and extrinsic motivation for, for race drivers. As you said, in our everyday life and in the, the work with, we do, uh, this, this, uh, the, uh, the, the processes for uh, motivating us are, are not there. They're not very uh, well uh, defined. Potentially, and it's not an area that I've looked into, it, it, it is quite possible that the organizations or the businesses that are most successful, successful are the ones that have set processes and systems that actually reward uh, the employees uh, in a similar way that one might be rewarded in within within a, a, a sports a sports context. Um, uh, so my- you're saying so that there's a sort of risk reward thing in business as well. So if I'm a hedge fund manager and I'm going to get a three million pound bonus, that's an extreme reward for put for for almost putting everything on the line and and putting everything at risk in in the same sort of way a racing driver might. Exactly. Um, and at the same time, you know that if you lose three million three million pounds, you will probably uh, lose lose your job. And these are the, the uh, uh, reward and, and punishment. These are uh, cognitive processes that have been studied for for many years, and we know that are very very powerful. For for example, um, if if you tell someone um, that uh, if they lose, say, twenty pounds, uh, uh, you will give them a uh, uh, hundred pounds uh, to buy whatever they want. They might do it, or they might not. If you tell someone, if you lose twenty pounds, I'm going to give you two million pounds. I think that. Uh, the uh, motivation for for and, and and the rate of success for 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 losing the, the weight would be much higher. Uh, so, it, it, uh, success in a, in a, in environment it's it's dependent both for intrinsic motivation, which is our uh, our own uh, ability and desire to be successful. But also external factors can play a significant a significant uh, role, and I think one operates the best and the, the most successful when the two are at the right levels to achieve optimal performance. This is part two of episode one: winning mindset. 
In the second part of this episode, I'll catch up with driving sensation Gus Greensmith about his super fast route into racing and ask him how he mentally prepares for the gruelling rally circuit. Yeah, so uh, at the beginning, I was actually a goalkeeper uh, for Manchester City doing uh, trials at the time. And then at that time, my dad started getting into amateur motorsport, uh, the, uh, the Fun Cup. And so he said to me, would you like to come and watch a race? I did. Uh, I saw it. I saw four engine, uh, sorry, four wheels in an engine and then decided that that was exactly uh, what I wanted to do. So uh, pretty much at that moment, I'd given up football. And uh, soon later, I was doing, doing karting at uh, my local kart track. And then for the next three years, we progressed through the, uh, the British Championship, the European Championship, uh, and then onto the World Championship uh, before making the, uh, the switch to rallying. So I'm really curious. How old are you now? 23? Yes, 23. And you were goalkeeping and, and playing football at, a, a, I guess, quite a high level for your age. Have you always had some kind of winning mindset, some sort of competitive mental edge on other people? Uh, yeah, I think from pretty much when I could start to walk, I've been competitive. My, uh, my parents have always said, uh, whether it be a, a family game of, uh, of frustration or, or cards, I've, I always can't stand losing. And uh, I think one of the biggest uh, life lessons I ever had uh, was uh, when I used to play table tennis with my dad and I started at the age of about about six, uh, just something as we used to enjoy doing it together. And my dad never, ever let me win, would never give me the, the sympathy win just to keep me happy. I, I lost every game of table tennis for maybe six, seven years. And until I was about 12 or 13, I'd never won a game. And I still remember to this day the first game I won genuinely against uh, against my dad. And it was something as simple as a repetitive games of table tennis just kind of instilled that drive to, to, to for winning to be the only, only option. Mm. Do you believe, and I spend a lot of time with people on human performance and mental toughness and other stuff, do you believe that you're born with this stuff or you develop it? Um, I think a little bit of both, uh, especially when you're a young age. Um, they used to find me a bit of a pain because I always used to be overly competitive and sometimes ruin the games because I couldn't I couldn't uh, face losing. Uh, so yes, I think you are born with a little bit of it. Uh, but then again, I also think you're you're nurtured with it as well. And I, and I certainly was. Uh, it was just that kind of you're going to make mistakes. Uh, it's not always going to be a a a, a straight curve uh, to the top. And it's just the way you bounce back from it. And every time I've made a mistake, I've tried to learn from it, get back up and do it better the next time. And that's kind of where I feel I set myself apart, where I'm happily, I'll happily admit I've made mistakes, more mistakes than I'd like to have made. Uh, but I'm, the curve's still heading up. I'm still getting better. And as long as that's the case, then I, I see no issue that I won't get to the top. Well, I don't see any reason either. But the, the, the mental stress, the pressure of the competition is immense. Um, and you've sort of skyrocketed yourself to the top of the tree. You know, your your career progression is almost accelerated past anyone else's. Nobody seems to do it as quick as you've done it. So you've had to presumably immerse yourself in the world of the highest world-class drivers, highest team performance. And with that comes enormous pressure and stress. How do you manage that? How do you cope with it? I think it's... A bit of, it's a learning experience and still to this day I, I'm learning so many things about how to do things better and how to live a more balanced and, and kind of healthy lifestyle in terms of uh, the mental side of it 
so I've always been a big believer in that the brain is the biggest um, is the biggest factor in whether your performance is going to be good or not. You can do all the preparation in the world, and I'm I'm ruthless and methodical uh, with how I prepare for an event. Uh, but unless your brain is in the right place, it makes no difference whatsoever. So I've always seen uh, a sports psychologist from the age of when I was, I believe, 14, uh, 13, uh, no, 14 years old. I start to see my uh, uh, sports psychologist and I believe that's a huge part. And meditation is quite a big thing for me, just having time to, to switch off and then also making daily life not just about rallying. Yes, rallying is the most important thing in the world to me but it's not the only thing in the world. And there's many other things I enjoy and I try to make the most of them Mm. as well. I love it that you recognize that your mindset is, is the thing that makes the difference because you could be the best driver on earth, but without the right mindset, you're probably not going to win. How do you prepare? I mean, you mentioned very briefly their meditation. How do you prepare mentally for a rally? Uh, So the, the man I work with uh, is a guy called Don McPherson, who's worked with a, with many top level athletes, especially in Formula One. And the way we prepare for an event is he creates an MP3, which is all about meditation, concentration, and controlling the breathing. Uh, so I usually listen to this once a, uh, once a day, uh, one week before the rally, and then during the week of the rally, as a mental reset every morning. And if it's been a particularly stressful day, usually I'll get in the gym uh, in the afternoon, um, but if still the stress levels are too high, then I'll listen to it before I go to sleep as well. So let's let's just talk then how you think technology can help mindset. So I spoke to Dr. Elias earlier in this podcast. Um, there was the EEG helmet um, innovative study, amazing study. You took part in that. Yes. Yep. Uh, in 2019, uh, I was asked by uh, M Sport and Four Performance to be uh, to be a part of this project, and obviously. It was an incredibly exciting thing to be a part of. So uh, I didn't hesitate. I said yes pretty quickly. And um, what did you discover? Did you did you learn anything from it? Yeah, well, I was working with an incredibly intelligent uh, set of individuals uh, working together as a, as a team to produce something which no one had seen in motorsport yet. Uh, so for me to be a part of the project was uh, was in, uh, was was an incredible honor. Uh, and when we were there, uh, everything was very methodical. Uh, methodical. We were taking our time, and when we were seeing the data and exactly how the data was was collected and then displayed, was incredibly impressive. And it surprised me in some ways as well. Uh, whereas I thought the the uh, the outer waves emitted would show me that I was concentrating more in places where I didn't think I would be doing. Uh, whereas sections of the stage where I thought I'd be in max concentration, actually I was more relaxed. And it kind of showed me the corners, and it showed me a a. a kind of a a group of corners, which I wouldn't expect, where I seem to be placing a lot of uh, focus into. Gosh, how interesting. And how do you explain that? Looking back, how how come you were focusing not in places where you thought you were? Uh, Well, I think the main reason was usually it was corners with a a longer straight uh, at the exit, uh, where the the exit speed and the apex speed is more important than the entry speed. It just seemed to show that I was thinking already ahead of the corner, thinking about the the 200 metres after the corner, making sure that my exit is as good as possible. Whereas the corners, which were very hectic, very fast change of direction, I didn't seem to be as concentrating quite as much because I was more focusing on the apex of each one, carrying the right speed, rather than thinking too far ahead onto the 200 metres straight. If it's a, a smaller straight, the, the, the exit is less important. Still important, 
uh, but not as much. Yeah, so you've got a difference. I think what you're saying is that the here and now, where there's a little bit of uh, chaos going on, perhaps, and then there's the anticipation where you've got a straight, you've got a moment to think about and prepare for what's about to happen. Yeah, and exactly. And one of the things uh, I was I was th- trying throughout the day once I saw this was whether I tried to increase the, uh, the the entry speed to these particular corners where there was a long straight after, and I would actually. I would actually see that my concentration would increase again because it felt almost unnatural uh, to be driving that way. Uh, and it was it was interesting to see how my different approaches to the corners actually did make a, a difference to the uh, to the data collected. Gosh. So how do you think this technology can transfer to ordinary drivers and, and to mindset excellence in itself? Uh, I think it would certainly uh, start to come into the band of uh, insurance I think uh, I think if it got to the point where the technology had developed that much, uh, you'd be able to uh, see uh, drivers' brainwaves, uh, the alpha waves they've emitted and whether they're concentrating enough. Uh, uh, you'd be able to use that data to maybe find particular times of the day or particular energy levels which affect concentration the most, and it could be a way uh, used as a way to, uh, to improve uh, road safety in the future. So does the study continue? Um, are you still working with Ford Performance on this? Uh, so last year I was working with them on the on the testing side, uh, collecting some initial data. Uh, so was uh, my teammate at the time, uh, Elvin Evans, and also I believe uh, G. Atherton, a downhill mountain biker. Uh, so that was the last bit of data collection we've done. Uh, I think the, uh, the helmet is now coming into the phase uh, where it's been uh, kind of put into the assembly, uh, making it, uh, passing all the requirements uh, uh, for a helmet to move forward. Uh, and I think they can't be too far away anymore. Gosh, how exciting. So, and you would, you would be prepared to wear it in competition? Absolutely. It would give me an advantage. Thank you for listening to Ford's Dare to Create podcast. Join us for our next episode, where we'll be talking to Yates Buckley and Hugh Boys from Unit 9 and digging a little deeper into drivers' brains. Listen to Dare to Create across all major podcast platforms now.